After a while, it's growing everywhere. God bless the grass. God bless the grass that grows through cement. It's green and it's tender and it's easily bent. But after a while, it lifts up its head. Well, the grass is living and the stone is dead. God bless the grass. God bless the grass that's gentle and low. The roots, they are deep and the will is to grow. And God bless the truth, the friend of the poor. The wild grass growing round the poor man's door. God bless the grass. And welcome to the weekly review. Today it is Friday, September 18th. We've got a big show today. We've got three candidates on who are running for mayor of San Francisco. And that's Amy Farrah Weiss, Francisco Herrera, and Broke Ass Stewart. We're going to have them in for a conversation around 1 o'clock. And at 2 o'clock, there's going to be a community forum where folks can come in and ask questions. And we'll also talk about rank choice voting, which means you can vote for all three of them. And that's great. I think anything to get Ed Lee out of office would be wonderful. And a start would be a step in the right direction. So, uh, oh, goodness. So it's been quite a week. It always has been. I always say that as I go into the show. I start off with rants sometimes. And... Uh, I'm going to go right into just some making some announcements. I went to a meeting yesterday. There's a group organization that focuses on getting folks to vote in the Tenderloin. The Tenderloin has a very uh, low rate of folks who vote. Uh, I think like the Castro is like over like 50 to 80 percent, a little bit over that. The Tenderloin is, is, is quite low. So there's a group of concerned citizens, and they're all about meeting up and getting folks to register to vote and then to vote uh, in their best interest, which is wonderful. So I went to a meeting yesterday and got a lot of flyers and a lot of information that I'm going to share with you now. So uh, starting out, actually I'll go in uh, I'll go in chronological order. There's a lot of things coming up, and these don't necessarily all pertain to voting, but they just also I would say pertain to uh, staying active within the community. And I think a lot of folks care about what's going on. I would say some people maybe don't think it's worth it to, to bother or have given up. And I think, I think that's really, I understand. I certainly understand that things are so backwards and can feel really hopeless. However, I, there are some folks out there who are doing so much work and it seems to be the folks with the least amount are the ones doing the most. And that seems to be a, a common theme in life. You know, I've found like for folks who have helped me out a lot of the times, it's the folks who, who honestly, uh, people who've kind of been through it are the ones who are the most helpful, and it's the folks with the most uh, who don't really care to help. And so, yeah, I'm shaming them. I don't know if they listen to the program, this program, uh, but you know, if you have a lot, if you have a lot to yourself, maybe try uh, to redistribute it, to try to share, and think about other folks who might not have as much as you, because it feels good. At the end of the day, not only do you help people, but then it ends up feeling good. So that's just a little plug to uh, share one's resources uh, before. 
uh, I don't know, revolution's coming if it's not already here. Let's face it, folks. Uh, people are getting angry. People have always been angry. And uh, it's people aren't going to take it anymore, like uh, Twisted Sister said. Anyway, getting into some events that are happening. It also happens to be the, uh, the San Francisco Improv Festival, which I won't. I mean, there's improv going on. It's at the Eureka Theater, uh, 215 Jackson shows going on. I think this is the closing weekend, so tonight and then tomorrow. So that's great for improv. And then here are some uh, things that are more socially minded. And improv can be socially minded. Lord knows I try. Uh, here are some other events that are happening. And this is uh, Sensible Cinema, which is sponsored by UU Uno and Green Committee. And this is a film called Broken on All Sides. And it's uh, Friday, which is tonight at 6.30 p.m. at Unitarian Universalist Center at 1187 Franklin Street at Geary. The film, Broken on All Sides, is a compelling documentary by Matthew Pilcher addressing the racial inequalities within our criminal justice system. It dissects the war on drugs and tough-on-crime movement, illustrating how the emerging Occupy movement offers hope for change and explores possible reforms and solutions to ending mass incarceration. Broken on All Sides centers around Michelle uh, Alexander, wrote the, the new Jim Crow's theory, uh, that though that through the rise of the drug war and quote-unquote tough-on-crime policies and because of the system that allows uh, discretion for targeting people of color at a disproportionately high rate, mass incarceration is the new caste system in America. Uh, as usual, popcorn and other refreshments will also be available. Free admission. Donations appreciated. For more info, contact melvin starks and that's mcs 104 at hotmail.com or larry danos at 415-722-6480 again film's called broken on all sides playing tonight 6 30 p.m at the unitarian universalist center next if a film's not your thing uh how about going to a uh a public forum this evening on the refugee crisis and the fight versus racism and this is happening tonight at 7 p.m um this is from the party for socialism and liberation and this is going to be at their office at uh, 2969 Mission Street. Hundreds of thousands of people from war-torn and impoverished countries in the Middle East and Africa have risked their lives uh, um, at sea to reach Europe. What is, the, what is the real cause of the refugee crisis and the responsibility of the U.S. government and its European allies? While some governments and fascist organizations have attacked the refugees, major solidarity rallies have been held and welcome committees set up in many cities. The myth of a moral capitalism. Has capitalism lost its moral values in recent decades? And my question is, has it ever had any? Uh, did it ever have them? Oh, okay, so they, they also agree. Uh, did it ever have them? Did presidents like Nixon, Reagan, and Bush make the system diverge from what the founding fathers envisioned? Is the Republican Party alone responsible for the, sh for the shrinking of the middle class? Here a talk by author and activist Richard Becker on how historical developments have led to, a, have led to the huge increase in inequality. The Party for Socialism and Liberation, PSL, holds public forums on Friday evenings for education and to organize for real change. Join us. And again, that's tonight, Friday, September 18th, 7 p.m., at their office at 2969 Mission Street. And it's near 24th Street, and it's wheelchair accessible. You can check them out at pslweb.org. Their phone number is 415-821-6171. What's next? Next is uh, the t join the Tenderloin and Soma Community Planning Work Group. 
And the flyer says, gentrification, affordable housing, displacement, how do these issues impact you? What can we do? Join the Tenderloin and Soma Community Planning Work Group. Uh, Land Use 101 Trainings, which is the second Tuesday of every month, October 13th, November 10th, and December 8th. Action meetings are the fourth Tuesday of every month, September 22nd, October 27th, November 24th, and December 22nd. Uh, five and at 5 p.m. The, at the Alexander Residence Community Room, which is at 230 Eddy Street between Taylor and Jones. And you can contact Alexandra Goldman, the TNDC Community Planner, at 415-358-3920 or a goldman at tndc.org for more information. And again, that's Land Use 101 Trainings, the second Tuesday of every month, 5 p.m. And action meetings are the fourth Tuesday of every month. Uh, also at 5 p.m. at the Alexander Residence Community Room. Again, that's at 230 Eddy Street between Taylor and Jones. So a lot of ways one can be proactive. Next, election kickoff barbecue, September 24th, 2015. Barbecue at the Curran House Courtyard, 145 Taylor Street. That's 12.30 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. We're kicking off this year's election campaign. Join us to learn about TNDC's electoral slate. Let's get the TL voting. All right, next, Tenderloin Alliance People's Congress, and this is September 26th. Be part of a collective Tenderloin resident base that will proactively problem-solve the issues of the community. Uh, Tenderloin Alliance People's Congress, September 26th from 2 to 5 p.m. on the 200 block of Jones Street between Turk and Eddy Street. Let's unite! Games, music, performances, and prizes. And this is sponsored by the Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Corporation. Organizing committee meetings happen every Monday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at 2.30 Eddy Street, the Alexander Residence. Contact infos, Elise High Street. Email at ehighstreet at tndc.org. Phone numbers, 415-358-3900. Lots to do. Lots coming up. Next, uh, this is Saturday, uh, October 3rd. This is a Lyrical Revolt. Uh, the Answer Coalition presents Down with Columbus, Down with Empire. Uh, I'm assuming they don't mean the show Empire. I haven't seen it. I hear good things. I also think about the Queensryche album, Empire. Queensryche were a hard rock band. I don't know if they're still around. But they have an album called Empire. Good stuff. That's not what this is about, though. This is about Down with the Empire, the whole idea of Empire. And this is going to happen at 2969 Mission Street in San Francisco near 24th. And the contact info, you can call at 415-821-6545. Although, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sharing a lot of phone numbers, and I feel quite often people usually end up just looking up stuff online. But I'll, I'll share the phone numbers regardless, because there are some folks I personally like using the phone. Uh, there's some other folks out there who might also like to call. And speak to a human being. Their website address is answersf.org. You can email them at answer at answersf.org at 6 p.m. sign up and 7 to 10 p.m. to perform. Again, that's Lyrical Revolt, Saturday, October 3rd. Sign up's at 6, and the show is from 7 to 10, and that is at 2969 Mission. Next, I'm throwing out these cards. I got a whole pile of flyers, and I'm just kind of like, it's like the Bob Dylan video when he's, I'm not another man, no, 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 no. It's like, you know, look out, kid. And he's got all those. That's what I'm doing. If you could see me, that's what I'm doing. Although it's maybe not as exciting, or maybe it's more exciting. I don't know. Next, here's a, oh, well, this is one more thing that's happening, another, there's a lot of things that are happening, and quite often things uh, happen at the same time, which is, I, I get it, it kind of can, can suck, because there's a lot of things to do and a lot of places to go, and one, one, I would like to be able to, 
on one hand, I think it'd be cool to clone myself because there's so many events I'd like to go to and so many places I would like to be. Um, but the, that's the great thing, though, is that there are a lot of options and ways to get involved. And I know people like to complain a lot, and there's a lot of ways where you can get involved and at least work to um, help change the situation. It's we're, you know, It seems like an uphill battle a lot of the time. Uh, there are, though, so many great ways you can network, you can meet people who are doing the work, and, uh, and it'll, it'll pay off. Um, if not for our generation, then for the next ones, and I, I am sure of that, absolutely, that uh, time and energy going to community is not wasted. So this is Flood Wall Street West, mass march and action to shut down climate profiteers. Flood the institutions that are profiting from the climate crisis. And it says, we're blue. This is at Justin Herman Plaza in San Francisco, and this is September 28th at 8 a.m. And the website you can go to is floodwallstreetwest.org. I'll read a little bit about this. One year ago, thousands of us flooded Wall Street in New York, taking mass direct action in the heart of a global financial system that's fueling the climate crisis. Now, a year later, people across the continent are preparing and organizing for hashtag flood the system, a continental uprising against the economic and political systems threatening our survival. To kick off hashtag flood the system, we're going to flood Wall Street West, San Francisco's financial district. Flood Wall Street West will consist of a tour of shame of some of the worst corporate and political bad actors in San Francisco's financial district. We will take mass direct action to shut down business as usual and emphasize the connections between the climate crisis, capitalism, exploitation, and oppression. This is a direct action for everybody. While many of us will risk arrest, everyone can participate safely whether or not you're willing to go to jail. We will lead a legal briefing and nonviolent direct action training before the march to make sure that everyone is prepared to participate. If you'd like to get involved in organizing Flood Wall Street West, or if you'd like to volunteer on this day of the march, sign up at floodwallstreetwest.org. And again, this is organized by the Flood Wall Street West Welcoming Committee. Great. So there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff that's upcoming. And I would recommend for folks who have never, who have the, who are able to go to a protest and have never been, go, 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 go. That's, yeah. Uh, seriously for those who are able and if you've never been or if it's something that you care about but you haven't quite shown up for it and you're able to go please go please seriously please the earth is the earth is suffering and the very the very least one can do if you're able to is to, to show up for it all right next uh, yeah shaming works right because if maybe people were shamed a little bit more and i mean shaming in terms not the things there's a lot of victim blaming in our society. I feel like people are shamed for things that they shouldn't be shamed for. Like, uh, I don't know, bodies. People shouldn't be shamed for that. People should be shamed, though, for their behaviors in terms of uh, participating into, like, global capitalism and the destruction of the planet. I feel like we definitely have a right to shame folks about that. We have a right to shame folks about war profiteering. We have a right to shame folks who participate in, I don't know, wanting to shut down abortion clinics. Shame on you. Fuck you. Shame on you. Next, we have a voter guide. This is the CCHO 2015 Affordable City Voter Guide. Very briefly, I'll go uh, A, yes. Well, A says yes, yes. D, yes. F, yes. I, yes. J, yes. K, yes. C, no. E, no. And then I'll go into actually what they are, since I'm not just saying the, the letters, because one wants to know exactly what they're voting on. One would assume. 
All right, so this comes from the Council of Community Housing Organizations. And again, I got this pamphlet at a place called uh, Faithful Fools, which is on Hyde Street. And this is where the organization was meeting last night about getting folks in the Tenderloin to vote. So this is a CCHO 2015 Affordable City Voter Guide. So A says, yes, affordable housing bond. Uh, we need public resources to keep San Francisco affordable. And this also has, uh, this is in English and Spanish and in, I would, this is Chinese. I'm, yeah, so either uh, Mandarin or, or Cantonese, I do not know. Um, but it's different languages, so you can uh, pick this up. We have a few of these here at the station. You can check it out at sfccho.org. All right. So A is yes, and that is on affordable housing bond. D, yes, Mission Rock. We need maximum affordability in major news projects. The Giants project will have a 40% affordable units from low to moderate and middle income. Okay, F is yes, and F is uh, for short-term rentals. We need to preserve uh, our existing rent-controlled housing stock and keep it from being converted to hotel uses, obviously. I is also yes, and I is pause for a plan for the mission. Now, I've seen a lot of conflicting posters up and about. A lot of them have, like, the I heart uh, SF. And th this is saying I uh, vote yes on I. We need self-determination for our communities and neighborhoods. And I do agree that these could be a little bit more thorough. However, if you're going to the polls and you just want to grab this, yeah, let's do it. J is also yes, and J is for legacy businesses. We need to preserve long-standing neighborhood businesses, art groups, and nonprofits that serve our communities. Absolutely. K is yes. K is surplus public lands. We need to use surplus public land to house San Franciscans from the most, uh, from the most vulnerable homeless families to moderate income folks. Now here come the ones to vote no on, and that is C. C, no. Lobbyists should be regulated, but nonprofits and unions should not be lumped with corporate fronts. Great. Um, that almost rhymes. And no on E. E says no. No, public meetings should be open and accessible, but not turned over to internet spammers and corporate lobbyists. That's pretty straightforward. So again, we have um, some pamphlets here at the station for you to pick up. And uh, you can also check out the, this Council of Community Housing Organizations at sfccho.org. And a lot of different organizations contribute to this. Uh, so, yeah. Whew, so that's the announcements uh, section of the show. Every, every week I feel like I have a new, a new section. Uh, we had a food section last time. We talked about how Monsanto was found guilty of poisoning uh, some food in France and the the positive food story well i guess that's positive in that it's a corporation being held accountable for doing harm and the positive story was uh gorilla grafters here in san francisco who were grafting uh branches of fruit trees to uh, sterile trees here um, by cutting in the branches and putting them together with electrical tape and eventually they end up bonding and you can provide food imagine that free food for people and of course some folks were uh wanting to, you know found fault in that and when it thought that was illegal because helping people is illegal in this country if you didn't know it anyway i'm gonna go play some music we opened up the show and then i'll get into some news stories and then we'll be joined by our guests at around one o'clock so we got some time there's a lot of oh, there's a lot of stories there's some some of the same old um a lot of things don't change you know we hear about a story and then it doesn't really necessarily go away because things keep on happening and one such story is police brutality and there is a case that happened uh, uh locally at stockton california a teenager 
was uh, harassed um, and ended up being by like nine cops for jaywalking and they beat him up and there's a video of it. And I'm going to play the audio, so uh, trigger warning ahead of time. Um, you can hear the, the bystanders. It was taped, and you can hear the bystanders just screaming at the cops. I don't even want I don't, I don't to call them pigs in this instance because that's an insult to actual pigs because pigs don't uh, actually hurt people. So um, I'm going to play that after the, after the break. So we start off with a song, one of my favorites. It's a cover by, uh, of Melvina Reynolds' song, uh, God Bless the Grass, sung by Pete Seeger. And those lyrics are very true. They're true, 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 true um, about how you know, the truth comes out uh, no matter how much people want to keep it, keep it a secret. And uh, also just like the nature, you know, just thinking about nature behind it. So I think that's pretty wonderful. Um, so this is one of my, one, another one of my favorites. I played it on the show a while ago, but it's been a long time. We've been doing the show now since December of 2013, and now it's September of 2015. What's happened? So uh, I feel it's time to play some, some of my favorite songs that I haven't heard, that I haven't played on the show for a while. And then we'll get back with uh, some more news. So enjoy. much for me to face I climb way up to the top of the stairs and all my cares just drift right into space on the roof it's peaceful as can be and with Up on the Roof, one of my favorite songs of all time, easy to say. So I'm um, getting into this next story, which I mentioned before, just going to get it out there because people, it's, it's, it's still going on, it's happening nationwide, and there's 
just have to talk about it. So um, this comes from the International Business Times. Uh, Police Brutality, California. It takes nine Stockton officers to arrest one teen for jaywalking. I, and I don't think jaywalking should even be a fucking crime in the first place. Um, and then you see all these these cops act the way they do. It's ridiculous. So I'm going to read a little bit about this. I'm going to play some audios because you can hear, uh, you can hear uh, the the witnesses just yelling at the cops and uh, it's, this cannot continue to happen. I just cannot. A jaywalking arrest attempt by police in the California city of Stockton escalated to the use of force on a black teenager. Video posted Wednesday to YouTube shows a Stockton police officer hitting the teen several times with his baton before several other officers got, get involved. Witnesses told a Russia Today reporter that the unidentified cop was telling the teenager to sit down, possibly to write him a ticket for improperly crossing the street to catch a city bus. But when the teenager continued walking to his bus, the officer grabbed him and took out his baton. The footage begins with the officer restraining the young man and then starting to beat the teenager with a baton. It's a expletive kid a woman watching the encounter shouted to the officer as a group of onlookers gathered get off him he's been jaywalking leave him alone he didn't do anything wrong the officer is heard telling the teen to stop resisting at some point the officer uh, radioed for backup and at least eight other officers arrived on the scene the video shows the teen seemingly in shock over the encounter holding Holding his face, excuse me, uh, uh, holding his face in his hands. But when the backup officers arrived, they approached the teen and wrestled him to the ground. Another four officers attempt to cordon off the street from the public, the video shows. In the end, nine officers were involved in detaining the jaywalker. The teenager was handcuffed and marched to a police car, footage shows. Similar uses of force by Stockton police have been reported in recent years. At the height of the initial Black Lives Matter protests, Stockton cases involving the shooting deaths of at least three unarmed black and Hispanic men were the subject of local demonstrations. All right, I'm going to play the um, audio of this, so uh, trigger warning. I guess there should be always a trigger warning before this show because there's talking talk of violence and brutality, and this is just the audio, so you can hear the... Um, you can hear the the bystanders, you know, screaming at the cops, and the cops not listening at all. So again, this is uh, from Stockton, California. Get off! Get off! Get off! Get Stop resisting! Get off! Stop resisting! Get off! Can you get off of him? Stop this is a kid!
This is from Stockton, California. Uh, just fucking disgusting behavior from people who are paid to protect and serve. And here they are harassing and uh, threatening a, a child for crossing the street. And uh, you can hear just the, the witnesses, you know, yelling at them, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, and then you see all of them come in. It's just, it's, it's heinous and it's disgusting and they need to be held accountable and it needs to stop. <sighs> so I don't have uh, much more to add uh, to that. Just wanted to, to share that because uh, it needs to continue to be talked about. And it's certainly in the media, there's not as much, if any, discussion of it. And uh, if there was, then these people would be held accountable and eventually um, this behavior would, would end. But a lot of folks don't feel the need to discuss it and that's horrific. <sighs> so, um, when I've done this show, I mean, just in doing the show for a while now, there's the, I tend to get really enraged at certain points, and I can never quite tell which story is going to make me enraged, and a lot of the stories I read are enraging, and a lot of them are heartbreaking, and this is one of them that's just heartbreaking and sad, and just to imagine what that's like, because, um, you know, to be in that kind of situation and to imagine what that's like to be in that situation. And this is happening all over, and it's been continuing to happen. And uh, that's just, that's, I, again, I don't have even any more words to say about it, but just that we need to continue talking about it and hold these people accountable so it stops. Um, I am, I'm gonna go into, uh, uh, debating between whether to go into some more music um, or another another story. Um, and again, actually, no, I'm going to go into another story. And this is from the Washington Post, and this definitely ties in. And this is about the the student who made a clock, and then uh, the teacher that called the cops on him. And a lot of folks uh, ha are really very well aware of this, but of course this is, and I should say not but, but and this is an epidemic. This is not like necessarily an isolated incident. And a lot of us are like, what the fuck is going on? And this seems, this is, but however, this is just one example of what happens quite a bit. And this is from the Washington Post. Ahmed isn't alone. Well-behaved minority boys more likely to be imprisoned than white troublemakers. A Sudanese-American boy named Ahmed Mohammed was arrested on Monday in Irving, Texas after bringing a digital clock he had built to school. Educators and law enforcement officers thought the clock, which consisted of a display, a circuit board, and some wiring, was a bomb. Mohammed's creation was confiscated, and he was eventually led into a room where several police officers were waiting. Avi Salk reported for the Dallas Morning News, Yep, that's who I thought it was. The dark-skinned Mohammed, 14, recalled one of his, one of the officers saying, "Still wearing his NASA T-shirt, Mohammed was taken to a juvenile detention facility in handcuffs, where he was released to his parents after being fingerprinted. Mohammed hasn't been charged with a crime, but research suggests that relatively well-behaved students of color are more likely to be arrested and imprisoned than white students, who make trouble frequently. Advocates of juvenile justice reform say Mohammed's case is typical." and that the school authorities often assume the worst of students who belong to racial and ethnic minorities. We have a ch uh, chart here, uh, boys of color more likely to be um, imprisoned, and it's, jeez. Uh, 
All right. Uh, youth of color are not given the benefit of the doubt. The presumption of innocence is just not there for them and certainly wasn't there for him in this case, said Thena Robinson Mock, an attorney who has represented young people in juvenile cases in Louisiana. In my opinion, had Ahmed been a white student, this would have not happened to him. A recent study found that white students who told surveyors they had committed 40 crimes in the past year were about as likely to be imprisoned as black and Hispanic students who reported committing just five offenses. Robinson Mock said those disparities aren't only present in juvenile court, but also in school discipline, in which educators are more likely to apply vague definitions such as defiance and disobedience to students of color than to white students. When you unpack what kids are getting suspended and arrested for, when you take the time to find out what happened, it's often something pretty ridiculous, Robinson Mock said. Ahmed had been suspended for three days. What might have looked like a computer science project in the hands of another student looked like a threat to authorities at MacArthur High School. Discipline has become more severe and law enforcement more stringent in American schools. The study on rates of imprisonment also found that students have become less likely to commit crimes, but they are just as likely to be charged. And if they are, they are treated more harshly by the ju juvenile system. Research suggests that discipline and juvenile justice can be counterproductive, possibly making students more likely to misbehave in the future. Advocates worry that taking uh, children out of their classes for a few days makes it difficult for him or her to keep up with the rest of the class and can change their perception of themselves in relation to figures of authority. Compared to their classmates who are otherwise like them, students are more likely to become delinquent and to be arrested again after initial contact with police. Students who have a criminal record have a smaller chance of graduating from high school and college. And this was written by uh, Max Ehrenfreund, who uh, writes for uh, Wonk Blog and compiles Wonk Blog, a daily policy newsletter. So again, you can find this on the, uh, this is from the Washington Post, and we also posted it on the Weekly Review Facebook page. Jeez. <sighs> <sighs> so yes, everything is connected, and this is just one, one, one example of what's, happening nationwide all right we're gonna take a music break and then we'll be back with some more news and then another music break and then we'll be joined by our, our guests so looking forward to having them in here i'm reading a book called just kids by patty smith so i thought i'd play some uh, patty smith so here we go and uh we'll be back uh momentarily Take me now, baby, here as I am Pull me close, try and understand Desirous hunger is the fire I breathe Love is a banquet on which we feed
telephone Love is an angel disguised as lust Here in our bed until the morning Welcome back to the Weekly Review. Um, so I've got another uh, article coming up, and then uh, we'll be uh, having our guests come in very shortly. So again, uh, please stay tuned. Uh, so I was talking to Diamond Dave, who's here. Uh, Val is here. Pam is here. A lot of folks are here. We're preparing for the uh, candidates to come in. So I wanted to get to some more articles um, before get folks in. So this comes from the 48 Hills, which has kind of uh, replaced The Guardian as a place to, to get news. And uh, this is uh, an article that's very specific to San Francisco. And it's actually probably, no, it's specific to everywhere. However, we really feel it here in San Francisco. And the title is, It's Not Hard to Be an Ethical Landlord, an Open Letter from a Property Owner to the San Francisco Supervisors. Editor's note, Landlord Spike Khan sent this letter to uh, Supervisor Malia Cohen, Supervisor Scott Weiner, and Supervisor Jane Kim, the members of the Land Use and Transportation Committee, which will vote on a tenant protection bill Monday uh, the 14th. That happened. All right. So September 14th. So this is from last week, earlier this week. Uh, I have owned rent-controlled properties in districts 8, 5, and 10 since the early 1990s. I currently live in the Mission. I fully support the proposed tenant protections in the comprehensive anti-eviction plan that will come before the Supervisor's Land Use and Transportation Committee on Monday, uh, September 14th. There is a housing crisis in this city with unethical owners pushing out long-term tenants purely for greed and extraordinary profit. We don't live in a time where landlords are plagued by low rent and can't make ends meet. 
I have a tenant who has lived in one of my units since 1965. This is his home. His rent is, of course, below market. But the other units have turned over since I've owned the building, and they are renting at market rate, which more than compensates me for his lower rental amount. He's over 85 years old, and if I raised his rent, he would have nowhere else to go. He's outlived his friends and has no family. I suppose the city would pay for him to live at Laguna Honda. I moved into the building when I bought the property in 1994. I could have evicted him with an OMI eviction, but that would have been purely to push him out as there was another vacancy in the building. It's not hard to be an ethical landlord. If the current rents can't cover uh, the mortgage of an exorbitant sales price, then landlords shouldn't buy the building. Housing prices are too damned high. Pushing people out of their homes is wrong. I fully support the most important protection, mandating that rents of units where tenants have been evicted by owner move-ins and are being placed back on the market have to be rented at the original rental amount. That is the only thing that will stop unlawful OMI evictions. You may have heard from other landlords protesting these proposed tenant protections. Good government protects the underdog from abusive uh, practices. Unscrupulous landlords who make up reasons to get rid of tenants just so they can jack up the rents have to be stopped. And so it's good to hear that from, uh, from a landlord. All right, going into another, uh, geez, another story. And this is um, some positive uh, moving in the right direction. This also goes into politics. Uh, so from the AP, Brazil's top court bans corporate political financing. Rio de Janeiro. Brazil's Supreme Court on Thursday banned corporate contributions to political campaigns and parties, a hot issue as investigators in the nation's biggest corruption scandal say such financing was used by businesses to win lucrative contracts with state-run oil company Petrobras. The court ruled 8-3 to to block such campaign financing, which in the most recent presidential elections represented well over 90% of the funding for leading candidates and eventual presidents. Brazil's Bar Association brought the case to the top court, which first took it up in 2013, but saw a conservative justice block a final vote until now. The influence of economic power culminates by turning the electoral process into a political game of marked cards, an odious pantomime that turns the voter into a puppet, crumbling in one blow citizenship and democracy, said Justice uh, Rosa Weber in voting to strike down the financing. Despite the ruling long called for by transparency watchdog groups, the top court's action may not be the final say on the matter. Brazil's Congress last week passed a new campaign financing measure that would allow corporations to make donations, albeit in smaller amounts. In 1995, law the court struck down the, the 1995 law the court struck down Thursday night allowed corporations to donate 2% of their gross revenue from the year prior to any particular election cycle. The new measure passed by Congress limits corporations to making a total of just over $5 million in contributions. President Dilma Rousseff is expected to veto the new measure. If her veto is overridden, the top court would have to again take up the issue, which analysis say would likely which 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 analysis say it would likely to in an urgent manner given Thursday's ruling. Petrobras is engulfed in a huge kickback scheme in which prosecutors allege at least $2 billion in bribes were paid out over about a decade by big construction and engineering firms, which were in turn given vastly inflated contracts with the energy company. 
Prosecutors and former Petrobras executives who admit to have taken bribes have turned state's witnesses um, have turned state's witnesses say that part of the money is made its way to the campaign coffers of political parties via what were then ele- what were then legal contributions. In recent election cycles, construction and engineering firms have routinely been among the biggest campaign donors to politicians and parties across the political spectrum. Such money has tended to track the Brazilian government's huge investments in infrastructure in the past decade as it has hosted the world's two biggest sporting events and announced aggressive efforts to improve ports, roads, airports, and railways, among other projects. An Associated Press analysis ahead of last year's World Cup found that campaign contribution by Brazil's number two construction company, Andrade Gutierrez, increased 500-fold from one election cycle to the next, after it was known which cities would hold soccer matches and thus billions, see billions spent on new or refurbished stadiums and other works. Andred Gutierrez at the time said its contributions were legal, which they were, but polls have consistently said in recent years that over three-fourths of Brazilians believed such contributions stoked widespread corruption. The three justices who voted to maintain corporate financing said they found nothing in the Constitution to prohibit it. My understanding is that the corporate financing isn't contrary to the Constitution as long as they've made under an effective mechanism of control that prevents the abuse of economic power, Justice Celso de Mayo said in voting to keep contributions. All right, so we got some folks coming in. I'm going to play some music while we get uh, people all set up. And, uh, yeah, I'll play a couple songs here. Uh, what's some good stuff? What's some good stuff? All right. How about some Grace Jones? Grace Jones is always good. So start off with that, and then we'll be back in a little bit. Walking down the street, kicking cans. Looking at the billboard, oh so glad, summing up the people, checking out the race, doing what I'm doing, feeling out of place, walking, walking in the rain. like a woman, looking like a man, sounding like a no-no, making when I can, whistling in the darkness, shining in the light, coming to conclusion, right is night is tight, walking, walking, in the rain
right, and welcome back. I am so happy um, to be joined by three folks who will be running for mayor uh, this November 3rd. I'm joined by Francisco Herrera, uh, broke-ass Stuart Shuffman, and Amy Farrah Weiss. So thank you all so much for coming in. And if you'd all like to go around and talk a little bit about yourselves to introduce yourselves. Sure, I guess I'll start off. I'm Amy Farrah Weiss, and I decided that uh, the leadership of San Francisco at City Hall wasn't being accountable to the people. And so we live in a democracy, and instead of just sitting on the sidelines and complaining about issues, I tasked myself with running for mayor. And when I started, I thought, like many of us sitting here, that there would be a more established candidate that was running for mayor and that we could use ranked choice voting to support that person, but I didn't want to take the chance that Ed Lee would run unopposed. And uh, we are running against Ed Lee in a, vo a vote one, two, three strategy, myself, Stuart, and Francisco. And it's interesting because the media is saying that Ed Lee is running unopposed and he doesn't have serious candidates. Well, you really don't get more serious than this because this is the future of San Francisco and we're fighting for it. And I got involved with local politics back four years ago in 2011 when a Chase Bank was displacing two local businesses in my neighborhood. And I really was interested in bringing the national to the neighborhood. This was right before Occupy Wall Street occurred. And I was really upset that uh, Ed Lee's planning department and his administration was rolling out the red carpet for Chase Bank and not giving neighbors a say in the process as we should have had the opportunity with the formula retail law that Matt Gonzalez established. So I felt that we were fighting hard to um, keep in place something that had already been established back in 2004 in order for neighbors to have a say. And so we pushed back against the Chase Bank. We lost that battle, but I didn't, st I didn't stop there. I actually started a nonprofit called Neighbors Developing Divisadero, and the mission is to support inclusive, culturally enriching, and sustainable development. And I'm so happy that there is a movement right now with the mission and SOMA being the epicenter of this movement to say, we want to push back against exclusive, displacing, profit-driven development, and we want to develop for the people. And that's what we're all doing here together. Great. Thank you. Stuart? Hello. How are you doing? Is thing on? Yep. All right, good. <laughs> uh, I go by Brocast Stuart. My name is Stuart Shuffman. Uh, I've been in the city for 13 years, and um, it's my home. I've been here for much of my adult life. And, um, you know, a few years ago, I thought about running the first time around in 2011 for, for mayor, just kind of as like, yeah, why the hell not? There's all these other people running. And I just didn't get my act together. And this time around, I was like, huh, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should run because, you know, just, you know, to make a big mockery of the whole thing. And then when I realized nobody actually was running who was like, you know, Mark Leno or uh, Tom Amiano, I was like, well, I definitely should run. Not, not only just to make a mockery of the fact that no one's running besides us, um, but also because like it's ridiculous. And, and like I felt like it was my job to stand up because I've got a loud voice in the city and, and some people listen to it. Um, this city has been really good to me. It's, it's allowed me to become me in the most full sense possible. And it's always been a, a home and a haven for people who don't belong anyplace else. And I think that's what drew me to it. And um, because of that, it's, I feel like it's my duty to stand up for the city and say, no, we're not going to take this. And then, you know, I didn't, you know, when I, I didn't know Amy and Francisco at the beginning of this, but now we've banded together and we're like, hey, all of us are doing this because all of us feel the same way about the city. And it's important that we have our voices heard and it's important that we are respected for it. And we are digging and digging every single day and getting more and more respect for what we're doing. 
and you know because the mainstream media at first was like oh Peshaw, Peshaw, no one's running no one's running and we've shown day in and day out that there are other people running and they and as you said something like we are working the hardest and we are we are, are doing our damnedest because we care about the city and we don't want to see it be bought over by the greed mongers so uh anyways that's what i got to say about that great thank you uh, Francis thanks for both of you that's a, a deep really going to the human so my name is francisco herreras uh, and it's a very similar story i've been here for about almost 30 years raised my kids now grandkids you're all all the public schools we've paid into and benefited from all the services i've worked um in war war areas i've worked in the streets here really cleaning up many times cleaning up the mess i feel like those of us in the community end up many times having to respond to bad policy and really the runaway market runaway housing market that ed lee and the administration including back to newsom and back to willie brown they created a runaway housing market that is literally kicking us all out of here and has actually had devastating effects people actually dying elderly dying when they've been evicted on these mis also people dying when they've been in these mysterious fires um Folsom on 24th on 22nd and Mission the, uh, so many places and and actual killings of Alex Nieto Amilcar Perez Lopez all the response of a negligent administration that refuses to protect our people, that refuses to do the duty of protecting the citizenry, the people who live here, as opposed to opening the doors to a, a completely irresponsible group of investors. I cease calling them de developers. I don't see, they're not developers. They're looking to gouge our community as long as we allow them to. And so, one more one more person here saying no we have to stand up and that's why i decided to walk for city hall to to get the city hall to get ourselves going and along with that along with a campaign uh, for mayor and vote asking people to vote one two three to replace at lee is building the people's campaign of which amy mentioned wonderful example with the divisadero neighbors the creative action network the no mission our mission no eviction the several campaigns and we're calling to build the people's campaign which includes all of our different efforts to go for affordability affordability is not just how you pay the rent but it's also healthy food it's access to health it's access to schools uh schools there's 300 teachers missing from the unified school district of san francisco because they cannot afford to live here more than half of city workers cannot afford to live here so we're aimed at bringing back the people who live work play and pray here in san francisco great thank you all so much for sharing um, I was hoping we could talk a little bit just about um, like personal lives. I read a little bit about you. Um, Francisco, I was hoping to start out. Um, I read a little bit that one of your um, heroes was uh, Oscar Romero. Yeah. I was you could ask yeah, there's... About, each of you could speak about people in, in your lives who have inspired you. So, yeah, we have four mentors in our, or four guides in our campaign, uh, Alex Nieto, Amilcar Perez Lopez, Juana Briones, the mother of San Francisco, and as you said, Archbishop Oscar Romero. Um, I mentioned the working on the war only because 
what I'm seeing here in San Francisco now is what I've seen in war zones, a generalized sense of anxiety. People asking, when am I going to be next to receive this letter that I'm kicked out of here? I'm, I live on a fixed income. I'm retired. I will not be able to live here. Uh, and so, but the reason Rosca Romero for me is a key guide of this campaign is because here he was, this bishop who could have been very comfortable doing his little thing and uh, being a religious leader and doing the basic, you know, uh, stuff that they do. But he didn't. He saw a tragedy happening. He saw an emergency happening as we're living here in emergency, much more violent in the sense there was war. And he said, open up. You know, he opened up the cathedral. He opened up the seminary. He opened up the structure that he was in control of to use it to respond to the human reality. He didn't say, the Super Bowl is coming, let's kick out the homeless, <laughs> right? Oh, I've got a solution for people under, under, uh, with low income, kick them all out of here. Uh, Romero did the opposite. He said, open up the system, use it in the service of people who need it. And that's why he was, that's why he was murdered, right? And he also called for a responsible use of taxes. He said, United States, stop sending U.S. dollars to kill our people in Central America. And we're saying, let's use our U.S. dollars to benefit and develop human integrity, develop human, human society here in San Francisco. Stuart, how about yourself? Um, repeat the question for me, please. Oh, uh, um, someone uh, in history that you feel uh, who has inspired you to kind of take the path that you have taken. Um, I'm looking at this all as, as a way to use uh, media and a voice to affect change. Um, I have a place in the media, and I've been part of. I've been a professional writer for a decade, and. Um, when I saw that you know none of the you know nobody like Leno or uh, Amiano was going to run, I say you know I have to use this voice to um, amplify the things that wouldn't be talked about otherwise. So um, there's a long history of people who using using uh, a platform like this to get points across that would wouldn't be paid attention otherwise. Uh, look at Norman Mailer who when he ran for uh, mayor of New York City. Look at Hunter S. Thompson when he ran for sheriff of Aspen. Uh, I mean Matt Gonzalez here in San Francisco. Um, I mean, and Matt Gonzalez came within six points of beating Gavin Newsom. Mm. Um, Sinclair Lewis. Sinclair Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Even Muhammad Ali, you know, didn't, didn't run for office, but he's, you know, used the voice he had as the, as the baddest motherfucker in the world to say, hey, uh, I'm not doing this shit for the U.S. government. Is it, can I curse on this thing? Oh, absolutely. All we right. encourage it. <laughs> All right, good, good. So, uh, you know, there's a long history of people using their position of uh, power or whatnot to... Um, influence the argument and that's exactly what I'm trying to do one of my slogans for the campaign is let's put the St. Francis back in San Francisco and so since we are named after St. Francis I think we should be um, actually working to integrate those values into the city and I don't even know that they ever really have been integrated <laughs> into the city because you look at the mission um, that drove out the Ohlone, you look at the 49ers that drove out the Spanish, you look at redevelopment that drove out the African-American community in the Western edition. So this is really a paradigm shift to put the St. Francis in San Francisco. And speaking of redevelopment, James Baldwin came to San Francisco back in 1963. There's this wonderful documentary called Take This Hammer uh, where he rode around and KQED filmed it. And he says, it seems as if in San Francisco, <laughs> it 
sounds like this could be just today, mm -hmm. that making a profit is more important than its citizens. Oh, yeah. And so that happened. Um, one of the heroes of San Francisco for me is Mary Helen Rogers, who is an African-American woman in the Western edition who laid her body down in front of the bulldozers that were working to demolish her neighborhood. Uh, you know, Howard Zinn is a big uh, influence for me as well. Uh, Matt Gonzalez as well. Uh, and Bernie Sanders now at the national level, I think, is an inspiration to us all. And he's actually reinforcing what we all decided to get into this race for, which is he's saying it's not just about the national. It's about getting involved in participatory democracy and working together to create solutions for the issues of our time. It's not enough to just vote in November. You have to do more. And so we're being reinforced by the Feel the Burn movement that's happening. There's there's quite a few uh, Facebook groups now, SF Chapter for Bay, you know Bernie, Bay Area for Bernie, and I've actually met quite a few people who are very excited and even helping to lead the movement of Vote 123 to replace Ed Lee because they're saying, Bernie Sanders is telling us we need to do this. So I'm, it's wonderful that he's reinforcing our message. I just thought of something really funny, feel, feel the burn. How has nobody made a meme of Bernie Man? That's right. <laughs> Instead of I've Bernie heard Man? It. I've heard it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, that'll probably happen by the end of the episode. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So I have another question uh, for, for all of you, and that would be in terms of travels or um, places that you've lived outside of San Francisco and mm -hmm. how that has um, informed how one wants to um, just how, I guess, how one feels within the city and from experiences of traveling outside, how mm. would one use that from to be in San Francisco? Sure, I'll, I'll get started with that. Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to UC Santa Cruz, and afterwards, it seemed like everyone from Santa Cruz either went to Portland or they went to San Francisco when we graduated back in 99. And I ended up going up to Portland. And that really influenced me because in North Portland, uh, there was a covenant that that made it so that you, if you were of African American or other color descent, you weren't allowed to live anywhere else mm. in Portland besides mm. North Portland up until the 60s. Mm. And so uh, I, I saw that area where, you know, Alberta Street, you'd go there and there were literally two things to go do there. And there was an all night diner called Shea What, and there was this one place where musicians would go. And I, I'm a musician as well. And I work in um, social services, I, I did at the time in Portland. And so there were a lot of people who were looking for a place that they could afford to live. And North Portland was, Northeast Portland was, you know, a bit run down, more crime, things like that. But me and my neighbors, uh, people who I didn't actually live in North Portland, but there are a lot of people that I knew that did. And there was this real effort to work with the community when you moved into the community to see, well, how can we actually work to help the health. And so you had artists and people like low income people and teachers, whatnot, that were moving into the area and working within the community, being part of it. And then once that righteous work has been done, that's when the property owners or the investors say, well, thanks for doing all the hard work to get this place in good shape. We're going to go ahead and take it from you, and we don't need you anymore. And that's what I call gentrification. That's the displacement process. And then when I moved into my neighborhood in San Francisco, 
in 2008, I moved into um, north of the Panhandle area near Divisadero, and I saw the same process happening. I did a research project. I learned about the history of Western Edition, Harlem of the West, the redevelopment, and I said, I'm not going to participate in the same way that I saw what happened in Portland where you know this, this process happened. I want to actually make a change and be part of ensuring that we have inclusive development here that honors the heritage rather than displaces for profit. So that really influenced me a lot. And, and I saw the parallels living in two different places where artists and low-income, community-minded people help to work with community to enrich it. And then that got exploited. Did we ever talk about, did we both went to Santa Cruz before? Oh yeah, yeah, we went to UC Santa yeah, Cruz. I don't know if, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you and I ever talked about it before. Maybe we did. I, I don't, don't I don't think so. So I also went to Santa Cruz, uh, which cool. was kind of funny because I, I went into uh, UC Santa Cruz already like, feeling things and then I feel like going to UC Santa Cruz kind of politicizes you in a way, at least then it like, definitely like led you on the path to being a socialist. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you learned, I learned at least the way I, what I focused is I learned a lot about, you know, alternative movements, labor movements. Um, you know, things that are contrary to what the popular narrative is, is of what the American system is. Um, but, you know, in my travels, I've been probably 20, 25 countries. I've traveled quite a bit. I've been a travel writer for a long time. Um, and I remember being in Peru in 2006 and uh, got there and there was no booze for sale in, in the whole country. And I was like, why, why aren't they selling alcohol? And they're like, well, it's, it's election season. I'm like, what, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, for the week uh, up until the election and, and afterwards, we don't sell alcohol in the whole country, like, huh. but, but why? And and this blew me away because everybody by law has to vote. Huh. Whether and it's again, you got to realize it's a country with 75 percent peasants, right? Everybody by law has to vote, and you know you go, you vote, you get your thumb, you know your thumb is purple because you you know you uh, yeah, you yeah. marked it to vote, and um, and you could pay a fine to to get out of that if you didn't want to vote, but uh, most people couldn't afford that, so they voted. So you have these people who have absolutely no access to government but they vote and they care enough that if they sell alcohol they're worried about riots during voting think about that people don't even get out of their bed here to vote you know and, and like and, and so that really like, like made me think like in a, in a country like the u.s where we have far more access to government than the people the, most people in peru we just don't give a shit yeah we're just like Ugh, whatever i just i got ah I want to go to brunch instead, you know, or whatever it is. And it really, really made me think, you know, like, why is it that the people don't care enough to get involved? Um, and so, you know, what matters is, like, is actually showing up and voting. And, you know, so a big part of what I'm trying to do with my campaign is actually get, you know, since 2010, there's been 40,000 new people who've come to San Francisco, um, estimated. And a lot of those people are still registered to vote wherever they were last, Orange County, Wisconsin, New York, you know, and they are not part of here because a lot of them are thinking, hey, I'm only in San Francisco for a little bit of time. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's mm -hmm. like it's our job at taking the party is my job to say, hey, you, you don't go into someone's house and knock over a bottle of wine and say, yo, uh, I, I'm not cleaning that up because I'm leaving in two hours. Right. These people who are affecting our lives in our city, it's important that they get engaged and help clean up the mess. There was a mess here before they got here, and there's a bigger mess now. And it's their job to vote, to care. And uh, I know they're not going to riot if they drink and, and during election season, <laughs> but uh, they should at least care enough to vote. Yeah. If the internet doesn't work, they'll riot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's a blackout, then they'll riot. How about you, Francisco? Well, where have we traveled, and yeah, how has that affected us? 
Well, you know, I originally come from a little small town two hours east of where Stuart grew up. It's, All right. And uh, my town is Calexico. It's um, uh, where I, when I was there, it was 12,000 people, one stoplight, and, uh, and a whole bunch of plantation land. But on the Mexican side is a million and a half people. It's the state capital of Baja California Norte. On the Mexican side of town, I did all my music training there. There was three TV channels, a million uh, lights, <laughs> stoplights. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I actually used to go to a Chinese school with my friend Daniel Wong there on the Mexican side of the border. But... Um, in terms of the traveling thing, what really, what comes to my mind in your question has been a little bit of what Stuart mentioned. It, Central America, El Salvador, Guatemala, Panama, Costa Rica, uh, of course, Mexico, throughout Mexico. And and t- what impacts me of, of all those places is how much more democracy is at hand there. And that's why there's violence. I mean, we have a school here in the United States and where, where I participate to close it down. It's called the School of the Americas. Now it's called the Western Hemisphere, blah, 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 whatever they want to call it. But it's basically a school of terrorism that we, you and I and all of us have been funding for about 60 years. It's a school where they teach military, you know, Latin American military how to hack their own people to pieces and the public so as to traumatize the, the, the public where they teach uh, soldiers how to come into homes and kill the family, uh, once again to traumatize, uh, where there's these uh, pirate uh, economic hitmen, like this one author who used to be an economic hitman, go into uh, presidential houses and say, you're going to do what the U.S. wants or, or we'll arrange for you to be assassinated or taken out. Taken out. And in those countries that I've been traveling, I see how people get organized to create democracy and create democracy. That's why there's a school of the Americas, to kill those people who create democracy. And so, but it's constant students fighting for the school budget, you know, uh, farmers and farm workers fighting for solid, for good seeds, not Monsanto killer seeds. Uh, There's all kinds of folks fighting for the water, organizing, constantly organizing to improve their neighborhoods, everything from paving the streets to fixing the roofs, constantly people organizing and organizing. And um, and here our elections were stolen in 2000 and 2004. Not a single group went out to even block a street, you know, and, 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 uh, and but, but I do see awakening, I mean, every, we were very close to closing that school of assassins, and that's why they changed the name from School of Americas to the Western Hemispheric, blah, blah, blah. Um, so uh, that has really always nourished and influenced me that we, the citizenry, we, the people, need to continuously, just like we do exercises, physical exercises to keep our body strong, we need to do political exercises, political calisthenics, as we're doing now, visiting the the, um, the planning commissions, as we're doing now, taking our role as planners and as developers as, of our own city. Great. So I have a question. So I know um, Amy and Francisco, you're both musicians. 
and um, Stuart, you're a writer. We're so all is, artists. Or artists, yeah, so you're all artists, <laughs> yeah. which is wonderful <laughs> and definitely necessary. And I was curious if you wanted to speak about how art, um, just the connection between personal and political um, in, your, in your life has been. Interesting question. Do you want to get us started? Sure. Um, I feel like everything I've, I've ever done is, if not explicitly political, definitely implicitly political. I think just to be alive and to be a thinking person, you have to let politics into your life. Um, I've been really disappointed when people, like I've been out there putting up signs, and people be like, yeah, we don't want to put a sign out here because uh, we don't want to be political. And uh, my view has always been, fuck that, I always want to be political. I'm always going to say the things that I want to say, and, you know, what it's speak truth to power kind of shit. Um, so I feel, feel like as a writer, even if I'm just writing about what it means to be an artist or what it means to be a writer or just writing about my travels, it's still, there's something political in it and about the way that I live my life. And the way that I live my life is, goes through my writing and my writing gets out to the world. So I think um, if, if you create consciously, it's impossible to, to separate the two. Yeah, uh, I started writing songs when I was at UC Santa Cruz and Actually, one of the first songs that I wrote was U.S. History, and I actually used a speak and spell as part of it. I was using toy electronic instruments as part of my music, so it was U.S. History. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was about being spoon-fed these half-truths about our history. So I was already integrating politics into my art at the beginning, and... I would go to shows and, and that was a real community builder. That's, it was music that brought me my first real community in Santa Cruz where I felt like I'm really part of something here. And we would go to each other's houses and have shows and, and connect on that level. But then at a certain point, it started to feel like it needed more substance for me because it wasn't enough to just go to shows and people would get drunk and and whatnot, and, and that was that. And so I really felt the need to integrate the, the politics in it. So I, I started calling myself an artivist, you know, an artist and an activist. Um, back in 2011, uh, when I started doing my work with Neighbors Developing Divisadero, and now, you know, the, it's a very policy-minded organization focused on development and impacting planning, but we are sponsored by our fiscal sponsors, Intersection for the Arts. So once again, you know, connecting this policy advocacy with the arts. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's just something that is really important to try to engage people around this process. You know, back when the Chase Bank displaced the two local businesses, I actually dressed up like John Lennon, mm. and I took the song Give Peace a Chance, and I changed the words about, around it, and I went around town to Sunday Streets, and I went to Occupy Wall Street, and had people participate in making this video about it and uh, you should sing it. <laughs> uh yeah I, I won't sing it right now but you can you can look it up um you know if you you look up give peace a chance and neighbors developing to visitero you can see me dressed as john lennon doing that and the reason is we have to have fun with this too and engage people somehow you know and it was emma goldman who said i don't want to be part of any revolution where i can't dance and i don't want to be part of any evolution politically where i can't be creative mm. yeah. quick question uh, one of the businesses that was displaced was a cheese store right so Country did, cheese, Mario. Did, did you make it give cheese a chance? Yeah, yeah actually, that was that was part of it. 
That's great. Yeah, I think that uh, the arts really opens up the heart. And, you know, actually, no one knows be this better than the conglomerates and the corporations. Mm -hmm. That's why they spend billions of dollars to hire the best musician, the best photographers, the best writers to create 28 seconds of beauty. And we're all mesmerized by the beauty. And at the end, it says, buy such and such a product, mm -hmm. you know. And it's always been my my mm, challenge to our organizations, our nonprofits, our all our groups. Why don't they hire us to do the same? It's always it's always like, Francisco, can you come? I only have twenty five dollars, or I don't have any money. You do have money. You know, I got a call from a group of undocumented students from Norwalk, California, one time, and they said. Francisco, how much do you need to come here? We have your flight ticket. We have a place where you're going to stay. It wasn't any hotel. It was somebody's room, right? But they said, what do you need to get here? And I thought, Jesus, here's a group of undocumented students paying for school, sending money back to their countries, send it, paying rent. If anyone could have said, I have no money, can you come for free? It would have been these guys. And they did. They said, how much do you need to come here? We've collected for your, for your plane ticket. And we've got for you a place to stay and food to eat. And from then on, I started every time, you know, EDs and these people with paychecks. You know, say, Francisco, can you come and sing? We don't have any money. And I think always of the dignity of the undocumented. And it's like, and so I think there's a real my, myopia in our in our movements, in our campaigns, of of saying of of missing precisely the point that the art opens up the heart. That's why the word well, that's not a why, but, uh, you know, heart H E A R T, and uh, and for those who can't see it, Stewart's got a great T-shirt that says. Good grammar is sexy. And so, <laughs> so the, the production of art has always, just like, just like my partners here said, the art opens up the heart. It's always been a very important piece of movement. And I think our organizations need to make a budget item for all of their, all of their budgets that says so much, a large chunk, a very large chunk, and I'll go get it from this and the other and the all make a commitment to the arts because that's what moves people yes. yeah mm -hmm. and for that i have a little verse great the oppressor the first thing that oppression does whether it's domestic violence or state government or, or state violence is uh take away your voice you have no right to say anything this is our little secret, says the abuser, right? You don't tell mommy that I did this to you, or you don't tell anyone that I beat you, or you don't tell any, anywhere outside that you've been put to jail for no reason at all. And uh, art opens the door to our voice to be heard. And I think that's what we're doing with one, two, three, to replace that Lee. Pueblo, people, my people, sing your song. Mm -hmm. Ah, 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 can 
canta tu canción. our job is to get ourselves to sing our song individual song uh, out of tune song <laughs> any song but sing our song together and i think together we could uh, make a big change yes something that's really nice here is that you all are working together and there doesn't seem to be any like animosity and it's just that everyone is here to replace ed lee and that's really refreshing and i imagine if the rest of politics were like that if people were actually working together um, for the for the greater good, how how great that would be. Well, uh, you know, this is what the progressive movement was hoping for when they decided to push for ranked choice voting, right. and unfortunately, it didn't happen in the last election against Ed Lee. If three candidates, including John Avalos, had really pulled together their resources and said, you know, if not me, then these other two. But I I did not see that happening at all in the 2011 election it's, it's really hard it's hard for people to imagine this kind of thing we've been we've been fed the circus and the and the money of politics for way too long the king of the mountain you know it's like you got to kill everybody else and you be the king of the mountain uh, and it's really hard i think it it's going to take some time to to develop that piece but i it's so very important well it's so funny with politics people are so concerned with their careers as opposed to getting things done like my my aunt had a really good idea for like at least the u.s uh president there should be only one term that's six years instead of two terms that are eight years or whatever so that way person gets in and they can just bust ass and not have to worry about running again in mm. a few years mm. yeah but i think it brings us back to to street level politics because in mexico we have that system six years mm. um and it's i mean it's disastrous. We're at war because of that, and and uh, in this country, it's at this point now. Even though it's eight years, you've really got a republicrat situation where, where, you know, they they're deciding. I mean, for for a president like Obama to say, "I have a hit list," and so what? You know, I I'm the president of a supposedly democratic country, and I have a hit list. People that that we, our little group, decides must be killed? It's kind of a crazy thought. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, in SF Magazine today, there was a an article that came out about Ron Conway and Ed Lee putting pressure on people not to support Aaron Peskin as donors and that there would be repercussions. And really, that sounds more like the mafia to me than it does democracy. Yeah, yeah. fuck those guys. Yeah. yeah. As well as as well as uh, Ed Lee and and Diane Feinstein dancing to the tune of Donald Trump, I mean, instead of asking what is the gun of a federal agent mm. doing in the embarcadero, I mean that's I think that's almost a felony to lose your gun. I, I think it actually it, it is a, a punishable situation, and uh, instead of that, Donald Trump ma manipulates the tragic accidental death of a European-American woman. Uh, to, and, then, and then Ed Lee goes back on his commitment to protect people who are here fleeing torture, war, and violence. That's what sanctuary is about, yes. about protecting the life and dignity of people. It's not a little ordinance about, I don't know, you go figure some out, little ordinance, but 
you know, it's a protection of people. And for them to go back and Ed Lee to go back and deny that and now attack a sanctuary, it's just really unconscionable. So it, it, it comes back to the point of we in the community need to bring back the citizenry. And I, but I think you're right. Just like you know, the Giants won because they lost all their stars. Remember that <laughs> when they won, the, when they finally won the World Series, it it was a group of of players, no no divas involved, no superstars. It was a group of baseball players. One of them being from Brawley, of course, in Pearl Valley, where I'm from. <laughs> and they were baseball players, not super divas, not stars, and they played baseball. And they won what none of the other groups with superstars ever could achieve, the World Series championship. Reminds me of the Chicago Bulls, although they had many, many superstars. But in the, in the early 90s, that's where I grew up, so I can't help but think about just them working together as a team very much. So I have one more question, and then we'll um, get set up for the, for the forum out in the gallery. And that is, what do you all do for fun? <laughs> Politics, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do San Francisco for fun. Yeah. And then I, also, then I get out and travel. <laughs> Yeah, I would I would say the same thing. I mean, the one great thing about San Francisco that we're all really desperately trying to protect is that I've been living on such a small income for the last five years as I work to live my values. But you can still afford to have amazing entertainment in San Francisco because there are so many things that are accessible and free to the public. And, you know, my favorite thing in terms of a show isn't a huge... Uh, event out, uh, you know, in a in a stadium or you know a a big festival. It's actually to watch music in someone's living room. I think that's you know that intimate setting, and people getting together and, and being right there with one another. That's one of my favorite things to do. And going to the parks and going on walks around this beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's despite all the. In working with community and dealing with homelessness or people being evicted, so you you confront a lot of tragedies. But but in terms of the solidarity that still can be found among communities, it's so beautiful to see that. Uh, in and but also just the beauty of the city. Every corner is a little vacation for me, or at least a visual vacation. That that there's so mu- there's so much beauty around. And it's because we are a community of communities, a city of neighborhoods, which is what the investors so that like to call themselves developers are trying to stomp out of here. They've like l- launched this bull. When they call it bull market or something, well, they've launched this bull to just step all over the garden and destroy the kitchen and break the door down. And, and, and there's n- none of them have the political will to restrain it. And so I, I think it's a just a beautiful city i love love the city great uh if we have any parting words if not we can uh take a bit of a music break and get everyone set up uh, outside to field some questions so thank you all so much for for being in here it's a privilege talking to all of you and thank thank you you on behalf of many san franciscans out there who definitely want something to be done and have not taken the necessarily the initiative to to run so thank you oh real quick speaking of fun things in san francisco and politics i'm doing a party tomorrow at el rio from two to eight it's a fundraiser for myself and for tom temprano who's running for a city college board and there's five really great local bands um and djs including uh 
John from Pansy Division is DJing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have, like, just, just going to be incredible. And so if you're listening, you should be out there tomorrow from 2 to 8. Great. And uh, it's uh, 17th of October is the last day to be able to register to vote. So right now is the 18th. We literally have four weeks to register to vote. So please find yourself a place to register to vote. You can come also to our office, 2940 16th Street, room 301. We have forms. I think each of the candidates, I know Amy has forms. I think uh, Stuart has forms. Please register to vote and vote. And vote one, two, three to replace Ed Lee. <laughs> Rank choice voting. Excellent. Well, thank you all so much, and we'll be back with you all in just a few minutes. Mutiny.
like a long range weapon or suicide by my wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction whether you're Soloway's son or BBC One this information is a weapon of mass destruction you could a Caucasian or a poor Asian racism is a weapon of mass destruction whether inflation or globalization fear is a weapon of mass destruction my dad came into my room holding his hat I knew he was leaving he sat on my bed told me some facts son I have a duty calling on me you and your sister be brave my little soldier and don't forget all I told you you're the mister of the house now remember this and when you wake up in the morning give your mama a kiss then I had to say goodbye in the morning woke mama with the kiss on each eyelid even though I'm only a kid certain things can't be hit mama grabbed me held me like I was made to go but left her in the stories untold I said, Mama, it'll be alright when Daddy comes home tonight. Whether long-range weapon or suicide by my wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Soloway's son or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could have Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton, Enron or anyone greed is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to find Courage, overcome inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. My story stops here. Let's be clear, this scenario is happening everywhere. And you ain't going to Nirvana or Farvana. You coming right back here to live out your karma with even more drama than previously. <laughs> Seriously. Just how many centuries have we been waiting for someone else to make us free? <laughs> And we refuse to see that people overseas suffer just like we. Bad leadership and egos unfettered and free. Who feed on the people they supposed to lead? I don't need the people to pray and wait for the Lord to make it all straight. There's only now I do it right. Cause I don't want your daddy leaving home tonight. Whether long-range weapon or suicide by my wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're Soloway's son or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could have Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether Halliburton, Enron or anyone greed is a weapon of mass destruction. We need to find Courage, overcome inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction. Inaction is a weapon of mass destruction.
Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the best of San Francisco's underground comedy scene here every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's only $2. You can bring your own beer and listen to comedy here every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., 21st in Florida. It's mutinyradio.fm. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in, turn on, every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m., House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl T. Are you sick of reading the news? Do you even bother to read the news anymore? Do you need someone to read it to you because it's just so disgusting and depressing? If so, then the Weekly Review is the show for you. Join Roman Reimer as Roman reads the news, whether it be LGBTQ issues, cannabis legalization, prison abolition, police brutality, or many other issues that sometimes the media just doesn't feel the need to cover. Listen in, Fridays at noon, Mutiny Radio. Roman's also joined by activists, community organizers, artists, and many other great folks working to make the world a better place. Have no fear. The news is here. And if you feel like yelling about it, well then Roman will be yelling with you. The Weekly Review, Fridays at noon on Mutiny Radio. Hello, comrades. This is your comrade, Zach Wiseman, host of government-sponsored program, Communist Folding Chairs, mandated by the Kremlin to occur every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m., broadcast by our comrades at mutinyradio.fm. 
Sit, relax, listen to my comrades in stand-up comedy march honorably through their cold balance sets, and other comrades make fun of them. Because in Mother Russia, if you can't laugh about starving for turnip and beet and attention, you are a capitalist pig, and the KB KGB will visit you shortly. Every Monday, 2 through 4 p.m. Looking to invest in the future of your community? MediaRadio.fm and the Boys and Girls Club Mission Clubhouse needs your help. Please donate to keep the Radio Clash Show Institute right now alive on the air every Thursday from 4.50 to 5.50 p.m. Donations are tax deductible. Donate online at www.MediaRadio.fm or just stop by the station at 21st Street and Florida. That's 2781 21st Street and throw some cash in the big glass jar. Stop by to experience live audience friendly shows every day of the week and know that you're supporting the future of the mission by keeping free speech alive for all ages. This PSA is brought to you by your friends and community partners at MutinyRadio.fm. Hi, I'm Chuck Weiss. If you're an old baby boomer like me, pain is probably something you've learned to live with by now. Yes, there are drugs on the market that help, but they come with side effects and shouldn't be used for extended periods of time. But fortunately, there is an effective natural pain reliever available in this state, medical cannabis. Let me tell you about Alta California Botanicals. They're a manufacturer of fine cannabis tinctures. Now you can take your medication in liquid form, much more discreet than pulling out a pipe and lighting up. Alta California Botanicals offers five different formulations, each one addressing a specific medical concern. There are two that are designed for pain, one to be swallowed, of course, and a new one for external use only. I'm going to have to try that one myself on my arthritic fingers. There's a tincture for stress and one for anxiety. They'll certainly keep you mellow. And there's even one for people who suffer from MS. The cannabis tinctures from Alta California Botanicals come in one half ounce bottles. Each batch is laboratory tested and certified free of pesticides and mold. In other words, completely natural and unadulterated. Alta California Botanicals doesn't sell directly to the public, of course, but if you visit their website at Alta, A-L-T-A, CaliforniaBotanicals.com and enter your zip code, they'll give you a list of dispensaries near you that keep their tinctures in stock. Now here's a tip for the holiday season. Keep a couple of extra bottles of the stress formula handy. It'll help maintain your cool amongst all that shopping madness. I'm Chuck Weiss for AltaCaliforniaBotanicals.com. Do you have a great idea for a product or service but don't know where to start? Are you looking to expand your current business? Women's Initiative of San Francisco began its business management training program for low-income, high-potential women in 1988. To attend a free orientation on how you can achieve your dream of starting your own business, or for more information, please contact 415-641-3460 or visit womensinitiative.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. 
Planned Parenthood is a trusted healthcare provider, an informed educator, a passionate advocate, and a global partner helping similar organizations around the world. Planned Parenthood delivers vital reproductive health care, sex education, and information to Welcome to Women's Magazine. I'm Global Val, and you are listening to MutinyRadio.fm, broadcasting live from 21st in Florida here in the Mission District of San Francisco, my hometown. Mm. Mm. And I am your host here every Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. here on Mutiny Radio. I'm also a contributing producer to the original Women's Magazine on KPFA 94.1, the Pacifica Network, which airs every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m. on 94.1. And today we have a very special show as we've invited three of the candidates who are running for mayor of San Francisco to join us for a public forum. One of them is actually named Francisco, and that's Francisco Herrera. 